It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, June 9th, 2016. Thank you for being on the program with us tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Good to be with you as well. Look forward to the discussion tonight. Josh uh, McCord is behind the board tonight. Hey guys, good to be here. Yeah, good to have you back, Josh. Been a long time. Been a while. Yeah, good. We're glad you're here. You've been we'll working to too here. much, man. Look, no. look forward to having you here and uh, in your comments, Josh. And look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or uh, in the chat room to the bottom of your video feed. And we want to welcome Arthur back in the chat room there tonight. He's back. Uh, Arthur got hooked up with another computer so he can get back on the virtual Bible study. He, he been he, missing he, him. Yeah, he had uh, technical problems, lost his equipment, and uh, uh, is back in business. We're glad he is. All right. Um, A couple of housekeeping matters, Jacob, before we get into our topic tonight. First of all, we've got a special event coming up here in Columbia, Tennessee, July 18th and 19th. And we want to tell people about it. It's our annual community Bible study. We have it at uh, at an auditorium downtown Columbia called the Memorial Building. And if you're anywhere close, uh, we would love for you to come and join us. Mark your calendars for July 18th and 19th. Uh, the theme of our study this year is going to be the Christian and his vote. We're going to be talking about things Christians need to be mindful of, positions they need to take when they enter into the voting booth this fall, big election this fall. And there's a number of issues that Christians need to be mindful of as they make their decisions about voting. Steve Klein from Athens, Alabama, is going to lead our discussion this year. I think it'll be really good, and I think you'll benefit by it. We always have a, a very uh, good and, I think, enthusiastic meeting at our community Bible studies. And uh, we're looking forward to more of the same this year. So mark your calendars for July 18th and 19th and try to join us in Columbia for the community Bible study. Yes, we'll look forward to that. It is a good uh, a good session uh, every year, good uh, community attendance. And so if you want to come, we would encourage you. Uh, and you can find out more information. If you need directions or assistance, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. And I imagine you'll be getting it on the website. Yeah, we're going to get, we'll be getting more information out about it. We just want to get it on your radar screen. Uh, secondly, Jacob, you know, uh, you and I have been striking out quite a bit lately trying to get people of differing views to join us for discussion on the virtual Bible study. Uh, uh, it's kind of surprising to me. You know, if somebody invited me to come on their radio or Internet program uh, and, and tell what I believe, I would jump at the chance to do that. Yeah, it always it's just amazing that someone would turn down an opportunity to explain their beliefs. But we have we've been striking out quite a bit lately as we've tried. We continue to try to get people who will join us for an interview on the virtual Bible study, but we haven't had a lot of luck. I want to enlist the help of our listeners in doing that. Um, one of our members here, uh, Josh Overton, recently talked to a Baptist preacher and is trying to get him 
to join us on the virtual Bible study to talk about the necessity of baptism or the lack of necessity, as he believes. Uh, but then uh, also um, uh, we want to get you. And, and you don't have to live here in the Middle Tennessee area. If you have a friend, uh, if you have a, uh, a preacher uh, who would talk to us about differing denominational doctrines, uh, ask them to join us. We'll give them, basically, we'll give them 15 to 20 minutes to, be, to just say what they believe. And we, we won't interfere, maybe ask a few questions of clarification, but we'll pretty much let them have free reign to explain their position on salvation, uh, on the church, on the work of the church, on almost anything that you can imagine that relates to our service as, uh, as Christians. Uh, we would be glad for them to explain what they believe. Uh, and so, and, what, and, what, and it does have to be a preacher or somebody with a fancy title. If you hear something you disagree with and you'd like to come talk to us about it. Yeah. We're not looking for somebody that we can stand up and knock down and look bad. We just want to hear another view, uh, another side of the argument. And then, anal- and then we'll analyze it. We'll let right. you say what you believe, and then we'll analyze it. Uh, but again, if... Uh, it, and if you've got questions about how that goes, look back on our archives, and you'll find out that we're not ugly, hostile, or abusive to anyone who comes on who differs with us. In fact, we try to keep those discussions very cordial and kind. And it is a common occurrence when people come on and differ with us that afterwards they thank us for the opportunity. It's not something that they regret or that they're ugly about. Yeah, yeah. And so that's it's a good. So I just want to enlist the help of our listeners. If you can line us up an interview with somebody along those lines, do so. We we want we we uh, anxiously anticipate that sort of thing. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven or questions at collegeu dot com are the ways you can contact us with those uh, requests. We'd like to hear from you. Yeah. All right. So to our subject for tonight, earlier today to our update list, we sent out some questions, um, and we want to talk tonight primarily about the idea of once saved, always saved. This concept is known by various uh, descriptives. Sometimes it's, it's very often called once saved, always saved. Sometimes it's called the security of the believer or the eternal security of the believer. Uh, occasionally you'll hear it called the impossibility of apostasy. Or the perseverance of the saints. Perseverance of the saints. Occur, uh, adhere to the doctrines of Calvin and uh, in that TULIP acronym that they yeah. use. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's what we want to talk about tonight. Uh, we, we I look back in our archives, Jacob, and it's been a good long while since we addressed this doctrinal subject. And it's an important one because, and it is one of those things about which there's difference in the religious world. A little later in our program, we want to look to a blog written by a couple of fellows uh, in which they take this position, and we'll look to what they say, and we'll look to some of the arguments they present to see how the, how it how they hold up. But the first question we sent out, and this is one I really want us to deal with first off, is if you believe that a person can be saved but later return to a lost condition... What biblical arguments would you offer in support of your position? Now, that's the position we take. Right. We, play, we believe a person could be once saved but later lost. And uh, we think that we can show from the Bible that that's so. And I, I want to do that first. Then in the latter part of the program, I want to go to this blog where these guys argue differently. Now, this is one of those positions that we take, but we don't take it uh, for any personal interest or um, because it's a, a doctrine that's appealing to us. 
certainly if I had to choose between the two, I would choose, just on my preferences, I'd choose that once saved, always saved position. This is not a position that's one of convenience or, or preference, but we believe it's what the Scriptures teach. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So how would we go about establishing that? Well, first of all, just on some simple statements of Scripture that when taken logically would certainly give us the the idea that God demands us to remain faithful. A, a, a well-known one is Revelation 2, verse 10. The Lord is addressing Christians in the first century who were under severe persecution. They were being really uh, under the gun, as it were, for their faith. And the Lord said, Revelation 2, verse 10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. No, he's talking about in the future. He's not talking about, they already had suffered some, but this was future tense. Fear none of those things which thou right. shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried. But at the end of that verse, he says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He didn't say, You have faith, you're saved, and so don't worry about it. He said, no, be ready for severe persecution. And if you endure it, if you be faithful unto death, you will have a crown of life. The clear implication is there, if they weren't faithful unto death, they wouldn't have that crown of life. Yes. And so statements like that just lead us to the conclusion that, yes, we have to be faithful till we die. Yes, that's true. And to back up your interpretation, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, puts a condition on that even explicitly using the word if that if word is found over and over in the, in the scriptures and that uh, is one especially important in this discussion yeah galatians 6 verse 9 says let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not uh, if is that very powerful word of conditionality it states a condition in order to 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 affect that outcome you have to meet the condition and so we're going to reap in due season if we faint not. Now, a lot of people who would hold to this doctrine would state that God is just warning against the impossible. That it, it Just because these things are out there doesn't mean that it could happen. God's just saying you've got to be faithful unto death. But with this doctrine, it's going to be true that you will be faithful unto death. That God is just warning against the impossible. Well, I don't. I really don't think that that's so. And I, I, let's go on with some more arguments here, Jacob. That 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 really don't even make uh, the statements of the scripture don't make sense if it's impossible to fall away. Right. And we have some uh, case studies that we'll look at later uh, on uh, that will show that not only was God warning us that it actually had happened. Yeah. And so it doesn't it doesn't line up. But that's that's an argument some will make. Uh, some bad things can happen to your faith. Uh, sec, I'm, not, I'm going to go real fast through these, but Second Timothy 2:18 says that your faith can be overthrown. Mm-hmm. Titus 5, or excuse me, First Timothy 5 verse 12 says your faith can be cast off. First Timothy 4 verse 1 says your faith can be departed from, and First Timothy 1 verse 19 says that you can make shipwreck of your faith. Oh. Now think about that. If the once saved, always saved position is true, if I have, have if I have had faith, but now my faith has been overthrown, cast off, departed from, and made shipwreck of, but I'm still safe, even though all those things are true of my faith. I had faith once, but now it's been overthrown, cast off, departed from, made shipwreck of. That doesn't even make sense. You know, and, 
why would the Bible describe those probabilities or possibilities, I should say? Why would the Bible describe those possibilities if it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter if your faith is overthrown. It doesn't matter if you cast off your faith. It doesn't matter if you depart from your faith. And it doesn't matter if you make shipwreck of your faith. You're still saved anyway. I'm saying that's totally illogical. All right. You went through those quickly. But just to repeat, 2 Timothy 2, 18, 1 Timothy 5, verse 2, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, and 1 Timothy 1, verse 19. Uh, There are some important passages you want to put in your notes tonight. Yeah. So that would be an argument we would offer. Uh, the, the plain statements of Scripture simply don't make sense if once saved, always saved is true. But here's an argument that I would really stress, Jacob. You don't give a warning unless there's a real danger, a real possibility. Right. You know, we're driving down the road. We see road signs. And maybe the road sign says uh, pavement slippery when wet. Well, they wouldn't put that sign up there if this pavement wasn't particularly slippery when wet. Or you see a, you see one of those signs with a real curvy road ahead. They don't put that sign up if the road is dead straight going ahead. You know, you, you put warnings out there when there's a potential danger. And if there's no danger, you don't offer a warning. Uh, Plenty of warnings of Scripture. First Peter five eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour me. I don't right. have to be sober. I don't have right. to be vigilant. It, it doesn't matter. First uh, Corinthians ten verse twelve. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. If I can't fall, I don't have to take heed lest I fall. That statement right. doesn't. That statement is absolutely senseless if yeah. I can't fall. Yeah, I mean, if you say he was walking down the street, be careful that he doesn't float off into space. Like That can't happen. Yeah. I couldn't fall from grace. I couldn't fall out of God's favor. I'm going to be saved. Why warn me? Take heed lest I fall. Acts 20, verse 31. Watch and remember uh, that by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul's talking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. And he said for three years he'd been warning them, night and day, with tears. Why, Paul? Why would you do that, Paul? They can't, they can't be lost anyway. What's, why would you worry about it? Well, don't worry yourself, Paul. Yeah. yeah he's and, crying. Why, is, he, is he some kind of delusional? Or has he just lost his mind? He's crying over something that there's really no danger of. Um, Galatians 5, verse 4 is a favorite one, uh, which says... Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. You can fall from grace. Uh, if you can't fall from grace, that again, that doesn't make sense. Uh, looking in the chat room, Jacob, we got uh, Ricky243 offers Hebrews 3.12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. you got to take heed. You could depart from the living God. Yeah. No, I'm once saved, always saved. I'm once saved, always saved, but I could have an evil heart of unbelief and I could depart from the living God and still be saved? That's what this position demands if it's true. And we're saying these Bible verses clearly show it's not true. Now, don't, and you've got to notice the the context here. These passages, these warnings aren't addressed to Joe in the world or Sally who doesn't care anything about God. They're brethren, they're believers, they have faith. And they're told to be careful that these things don't happen to them. 
Yeah. Guest 16 in the chat room offers Revelation 2, verse 4. I have this against you that you have left your first love. And and uh, guest 16 says, how can one leave something they ever had to begin with? They had their love for the Lord, but they have left their love. Yeah. For the, but, but, but once saved, always saved. So that doesn't matter. They're still saved. Okay. They've left their love for God, but they're still saved. All right. We've got some quotes that we'll look at in a little bit when we get back from the break that directly contradict some of the things we've said. We've got some more passages to look at that show that it is possible for us to fall away. Again, not a doctrine that we have any personal vested interest in. In fact, if it was up to us, we would not believe this doctrine if it wasn't for the Scriptures. But the Scriptures are plain that we've got to be careful that we don't fall away, that we don't depart from the living God, that we don't allow our faith to become shipwrecked, that we don't fall from grace. And other passages we'll look at when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College U Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for Him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? Here's some quotes worth pondering. Even the poorest man can be kind. If in your pursuit of higher education, God seems to be getting smaller, then you're being deceived. One of the most dangerous and terrifying trends in America today is the disregard for character as a central necessity in a leader's credentials. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, and we appreciate you joining us as we talk about the doctrine of once saved, always saved. We believe it's not scriptural. There's plain scriptures that show that it is possible for us to fall away. We looked at one before the break, Galatians 5, verse 4, says that in as many words. You can fall from grace. It's possible to fall. Look, look, look at this one. Here's one. I got one more, and then Josh has got one he wants to bring in. And then our friend Kent in Georgia sent an email, which he suggests I think maybe one of the most powerful ones of all. But look at Hebrews 6, verse 4, beginning. Hebrew writer says, For it is impossible for those who were... Now, get, now notice this description of them. Now, this is Hebrews 6, beginning verse 4. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. I would think that anybody would have to agree that that's describing a saved person. Yes. Wouldn't you? I mean, that would have to be describing a saved person. But notice, if they shall fall away. To, re- to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. They can fall away. Once saved, always says, saved says you can't fall away. This says you can. Now, wh- who are we to believe about that? 
Josh, what was the argument you were about to make? Yeah, in, in Romans 11, Paul was talking about branches being cut off and grafted in. He was talking about Israelites and the Gentiles. So, so he's talking about the, the Israelites were cut off, the Gentiles right. were grafted, grafted in. in. So that, that, in other words, grafted into a covenant relationship with him, right? Right. And so uh, there's, there's a strong warning there. Uh, verse 21, uh, Romans 11, 21 says, For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. And in verse 22, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God, on them which fail severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. Uh, and that's something. They were grafted in. But they could be cut off. Very plain. I think that's a, that's a great argument. Yeah, great argument. All right. We look forward to your thoughts. Uh, send them in the chat room so we can include them or give us a call toll-free. The line is open, 877-381-4567. Then Kent from Calhoun, Georgia, mentions what I think might be the most powerful passage, most uh, most graphic, I think, at least, of the possibility of falling away, the possibility of apostasy. Second Peter 2, beginning verse 20. I want to read it. Um, uh, he, he referenced, well, just let me read what he says about it. Please note that these individuals had escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because this is a true statement, these individuals had obeyed the gospel of Christ and been saved from past sins. Now, let me read that to you. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So Kent, I think, totally accurately observes, this This truly says that they were saved people. Yes. But they were entangled again in the, in the affairs of this world, they were overcome, and they ended up in a worse position. He goes on to say, after becoming Christians, they became entangled in sin and were overcome by such. The latter end with them is, was worse than the beginning. The case being that they were in a lost condition prior to becoming Christians, and now are in a worse condition since their return to sin. They are therefore in a lost condition. And I think it suggests the idea is harder to bring them back from that. They've already rejected the gospel message that they once believed. But I think Ken's exactly right. That th- There's no way that that passage is true if once saved, always saved is true, and vice versa. Look forward to hearing your thoughts on the program tonight. All right. Dave, you got some quotes of some people who take this once saved, always yeah. saved position. Well, the, the Westminster Confession is famous for its uh, statement of their belief in this idea of uh, the perseverance of the saints, as they call it. Uh, they whom, and this would be the Presbyterians who would hold to the Westminster Confession, uh, but many, many denominations would hold to the same. Uh, they state it this way, They whom God has accepted in his beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his Spirit, notice this, can neither, neither totally nor finally fall away from the grace of state, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 4 says, that it is possible to fall from grace. They say, quote, they can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace. Seems to be in direct contradiction to that verse. It goes on. This perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will, but on the immutability of the degree of election flowing from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father upon the, effe- uh, upon the effe- efficacy of the merit uh, and intercession of Christ Jesus, 
the abiding of the Spirit and the seed of God within them, and the nature of the covenant of grace, from all which arises also the certainty and infallibility thereof. So they're saying it's not based upon you. It's, it's, not, just, it's not even your desire to be faithful to God. It's all what God does. Yeah. It's all not what, up to you at all. It's not up to you. So taking that view, which is so common and prevalent, there are some who say that it would be even impossible to ever fall from grace. Uh, Sam Morris was a Baptist preacher down in Stanford, Texas, and he wrote a tract that's entitled, Do a Christian's Sins Damn His Soul? And here's what he said, quote, We take the position that a Christian's sins do not damn his soul. The way a Christian lives, what he says, his character, his conduct, or his attitude toward other people have nothing whatever to do with the salvation of his soul. All the prayers a man may pray, all the Bibles he may read, all the churches he may belong to, all the services he may attend, all the sermons he may practice, all the debts he may pay, all the ordinances he may observe, all the laws he may keep, all the benevolent acts he may perform, will not make his soul one whit safer. And all the sins he may commit, from idolatry to murder, will not make his soul in any more danger. The way a man lives has nothing whatever to do with the salvation of his soul. The way I live has nothing whatsoever to do with the salvation of my soul. You couldn't say it any plainer than that. Most people wouldn't say it that plainly. Well, you can say it a little bit more plainly than that. Bill Foster was a Baptist preacher in Louisville, Kentucky, and he said, If I killed my wife and mother and debauched a thousand women, I couldn't go to hell? In fact, I couldn't go to hell if I wanted to. If on the judgment day I should find that my loved ones are lost and should lose all desire to be saved and should beg God to send me to hell with them, he couldn't do that it. That is plainer. That's that is a plainer. little plainer. That's plainer. plainer. <laughs> That's plainer. Uh, can you believe that? I mean, isn't that just shockingly amazing? Uh, that they would say that in the, in the face of all these Bible verses that we've been reading. Yeah. Uh, before we before we stop our argumentation, Jacob, and go to what some of these others are saying and trying to prove that position, a couple of case studies I wanted to offer. One is Simon the Sorcerer mm-hmm. in Acts chapter 8. I think most of our listeners will be well familiar with Simon the Sorcerer. Acts 8 verse 13 says, Simon himself believed also and when he was baptized he continued with philip and wondered beholding the miracles and signs which were done so what's your position on baptism is it essential or not well, it doesn't matter because it says he believed and he was baptized so all of us everybody say that, universal that guy, acceptance of yeah, baptism. Yeah, this yeah. guy is saved by whatever standard you want to offer he's a saved guy because yeah. he, he believed and he was baptized skip down to verse 18 and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. So he offered the apostles money so that he could have this power to impart spiritual gifts. He really, you know, sort of his carnal nature was coming through. He wanted to get back in a position where he could have power over the people that he had once had. Okay. Notice what Peter said to him. This is Acts 8, beginning verse 20. Peter said to him, thy money perish with thee. Wait a minute. If thy money perish with thee, that means he would be perishing too, right? Right, it would. So thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. Thy heart is not right 
in the sight of God. His heart was not right. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness. He was guilty of wickedness. And pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. He needed forgiveness. I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Once saved, always saved, would have this guy in no jeopardy whatsoever. Right. He could be described as being in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity and still be saved. Right. I, I, anybody who wants to believe, I, I just don't know uh, how much plainer you can make that. I mean, if you can believe once saved, always saved, and read that and try to and, and say that that's harmonious with your position, I'm dumbfounded by that. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Plenty to go when we get back. Let's get this week's bullet point, and when we get back, we've got another case study we want to look at, and then we need to get into some bloggers who make some other argumentation in support of the idea of once saved, always saved. We'll look forward to your thoughts uh, during the break. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. We've all heard the jokes about politicians. For instance, how can you tell when a politician is lying if his lips are moving? It's truly a shame that their past conduct has branded them with such terrible reputation. Surely their potential for doing good has become severely limited because of their inclination to tell lies. Christian, do you see a lesson here? Can you understand the critical need for honesty in all that we do? The scriptures have a good deal to say about this. Ephesians 4, verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Proverbs 12, verse 22, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Colossians 3, verse 9, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. From verses like these, we can conclude that honesty is necessary in order to maintain our relationship with others. Remember, it said we're members one of another. It's necessary to please the Lord. It said lying lips are an abomination to him. And telling the truth is necessary to demonstrate that we have truly been converted. It says put off the old man with his deeds. And so Christian remember that all liars have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation 21 verse 8. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hey, Mommy. I'm too old. Um... This is the Virtual Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you've never been to our website, it is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we encourage you to come and check it out. Find out more about us. Find archives of all of our past programs. I think they're all out there. Almost 11 years now, getting real close to that. And uh, also find uh, information on podcasting sermons that have re- recently been presented to the College U Church of Christ. TheVirtualBibleStudy.com is the website to use. And we haven't mentioned the bu- bumper stickers, but I saw a few in your office. I think you got a few left. Yeah, we got a few left. If we you can want get a one bumper sticker, send your snail mail ad- uh, address where we can mail you one free of charge so you can help advertise the program. It's always better if we have more people studying with us. Exactly right. And so we encourage you to help us spread the word. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Talking about once saved, always saved on the program tonight. I want to offer one last argument, and then we're going to go to some of this other stuff. But one last argument would be the Apostle Paul himself. Can you imagine? 
I don't think any of us can. A stronger Christian than the Apostle Paul was. He was just a stalwart. I mean, the guy was just invincible, it seemed like. But he understood that he still had the possibility of falling away. Yeah. First Corinthians 9.27, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Yeah. Paul said he could be a castaway. Yeah. So uh, if it could happen to Paul, it could happen to anybody else. Once saved, always saved is not what, true. Again, for is he just paranoid or something? That something that couldn't happen? He's worried he could be a castaway? Well, he's worried about it. And so it tells us it is possible for us to be a castaway, to yeah. fall out of grace, yeah, exactly. to be lost eternally. All right. So uh, those are, are uh, I think, the affirmative arguments we would want to make. If we had a chance to discuss with someone who believes once saved, always saved, those are the affirmative arguments we want to make. Let's look, since we haven't been able to get a Baptist preacher or someone else who believes this to come on the program with us. Yeah. We can, yeah, we hope we can. If you, yeah. uh, if you all can help us arrange some of those kind of uh, interviews, again, we would love for you to do that. Uh, but I did find a blog. Uh, the, the title of the blog is allaboutgod.com. Uh, That's a simple link, all one word, allaboutgod.com. Two fellas, Greg Outlaw and Randall Niles. Is his name really Greg Outlaw? I think it it is. At least that's what it says. You know, if I was an outlaw, I think I would want to believe in this idea of once saved, always saved. (laughs) Uh, Well, we can't make fun of his name. It's not not his choice. That's not his choice. But here's here's what he said. Here's what these two guys, Greg Outlaw, Randall Niles, allaboutgod.com, the Bible teaches, once saved, always saved, that we can be saved once and for all, only through a repentant, saving faith in Jesus Christ. Once a person has accepted Christ Jesus, they may wonder if it's possible to lose that salvation. What if they commit a sin? What if they commit a lot of sins? What if they do something very, very wrong? Is it possible to be saved and then lose that salvation? Fortunately, the answer is a resounding no. Once a person has accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, he, she is forever saved. The fact is referred to as the doctrine of eternal security, often summarized as once saved, always saved. And then they go through some argumentation that we want to look at. uh, But they conclude this. A person who willingly, humbly repents of sins and turns toward the cross, trusting Christ as their Savior, will be saved. That salvation is once and for all, eternal and secure, those who truly trust in Christ are saved once and saved always. Mm-hmm. So again, they 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 weren't as graphic as as the quotes that you read earlier, Jacob. No. But they're certainly taking that position. They would line up with that, yes. Uh, so let's look at some of the verses that they used in support of that. And this was the second question I sent out to our update list earlier. How would you answer these verses? The first one is John chapter ten. Verses 28 through 30. Now, these are verses that they're presenting in support of their position. They've said it's impossible for us to be lost. Right. Okay. John chapter 10, 28 through 30. You know, I actually think that they need to give this one up because this one, I think, is our verse, not theirs. Okay. Uh, Jesus says, now I'm going to back up one verse. Uh, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Mm-hmm. Now, here's 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. 
You see why verse 27 is important in that context? Because verse 27 is stating a condition. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. As long as I keep hearing the Savior's voice through the revealed word, as long as I keep following him, then what is my condition? Well, uh, I'll never perish. No one can pluck me out of the out of the out of the Savior's Following hand. Following that shepherd and sheep analogy, yeah. No, the, the, nobody can come in and, and take the sheep. No, that's right. As long as I keep hearing His voice and following Him, then I have eternal life, and no one can cause me to perish. No one can pluck me out of His hand. But what if I stop hearing His voice, and what if I stop following Him? Well, then what the promise that that's there doesn't follow, right? Yes. You know, I, I have in my files a, an article by Billy Graham in which he was answering this question about once saved, always saved. And that's the passage you went to. I don't think that passage proves their point at all, because if, if the if the conditions expressed in that statement are not adhered to, then the promise that that passage offers doesn't exist. Well, uh, Kent takes a little bit different uh, take on it. Here's what he says about John 10, 28 through 30. Eternal life will not be received until after the judgment in heaven, Titus 1, verse 2. Of course, no one will be lost after receiving eternal life in heaven because those saved in heaven in eternity will not be lost. does not mean that it is impossible to sow sin and be lost as a child of God in this present life. And he references 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22 again. Yeah, uh, Kent's taking the view that it's looking to the future, uh, that it that it's, it's in, about in anticipation of eternal life in heaven. I, I don't I don't actually agree totally with that. Uh, I can understand how that argument could be made, but I really think that Jesus was talking about uh, our current condition as his followers. Yes, and as long as we keep following, we keep the promise. Okay, that's how I would answer it. I don't think. It certainly has to be viewed that way. Now, remember, Jacob, whatever these verses say have to harmonize with all those verses that we were looking at earlier. So I can't take that passage and say, well, that's a teaching I can't ever fall away. When we already just offered a whole list of verses that say I can fall away. Okay. So I have to explain that, and it could be the explanation that Ken offered. Uh, to me, the better explanation seems to be he's talking about as I keep hearing him and following him, learning from him and obeying him, then I'm in a safe situation. But if I stop doing that, I'm not in a safe position anymore. Okay, now, again, as you said, harmonizing, that's important. Because if John chapter 10, 28 through 30 were the only passages we had on this subject, perhaps Mr. Outlaw and Mr. Niles could make that point. But they cannot make that point and harmonize that interpretation with the other passages of Scripture. So that's important. I think that's right. All right. Now they go to another one. This is Romans chapter 8. This is another passage they use to defend their position of believing in once saved, always saved. Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 36. For it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither... Oh, my Bible's been, I've lost that Oh, you've lost (laughs) it. There's a hole, look at that. There's a hole in that page. I didn't know that was there. Did you do that because you didn't like that verse? No, I don't know. You didn't cut it out? 
don't know how yeah, that because got there. was it who was it that wanted to cut out James? Uh, Martin Luther. Oh, Martin Luther. But who was it that that in the Old Testament took his penknife to the to the? Oh yes, that's right. King. Yeah. Somebody in the chat room give me the answer. Okay. Uh, uh, so I am persuaded. This is verse thirty. I am persuaded that neither the death nor death. Life. Uh, Okay, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities or powers. I actually had death written in my margin there. So I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I would argue again that these are external things. Uh that external things cannot come between me and my God as long as I am faithfully serving Him, I am safe. But it's it it would it would be forcing us to make a conclusion that's not addressed in the passage. What if I stop faithfully serving Him? Uh, notice these are this is describing faithful external. people. These are people who are being killed all the day long, counted as sheep for the slaughter. Well, what if they what if they yielded to the persecution? What if they surrendered? What if they denied their Lord Jesus Christ? And uh, you know, you, you have to believe that under a severe persecution like that, some would do so. Are they still conquerors? No, they're not still conquerors. Not more than conquerors. Uh, and now they have, a, by their own action, separated themselves from being in a right relationship with God. All right, Keith says this. He says, Kent, rega- Kent, yeah. I'm sorry, Kent says regarding uh, Romans eight twenty thirty eight and thirty nine. Such as uh, discussing forces outside our free moral agency. Right, right. The passage is not discussing the freedom of choice that a Christian has to choose to commit sin, not repent, and be eternal, eternally lost because of their failure to repent of sin and return to Christ. Hebrews ten twenty six through twenty nine. Again, that's the that's the I think Ken's exactly right, and that's the explanation we'd have to take in order to harmonize this passage with all those others that we already read. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven on the program tonight as we talk about once saved always saved. Let's go to one more Ephesians four verse twenty four. Ephesians four verse thirty. No, uh, yeah, it is he, Hebrews. Excuse me. Ephesians 4, verse 30. Ephesians 4, verse 30. I, I was reading it wrong. Ephesians 4, verse 30. And again, I think they need to give this verse up because I think it makes our point for us. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Uh, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And I've got my margin. The New American says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by whom ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Right. Well, if I'm once saved, always saved, I couldn't grieve the Holy Spirit, could I? This is this was this is advising me: don't grieve the Spirit. Well, if it doesn't matter what I do, if I'm saved regardless, then why why would there be any danger of grieving the Spirit? I don't think that verse proves their point. All right, uh, Kent says the same thing. He says regarding Ephesians four twenty, this passage by implication teaches that a child of God can so sin as to be eternally lost. If such is not the case, why the warning not to grieve the Holy Spirit? Obviously, the seal mentioned in this verse can be broken, and a child of God can be lost. All right. So I think that's. Uh, I think you know, we have we have warranties or guarantees on physical things. You buy something, there may be a warranty, but there there are things that are listed on there. Maybe you buy a new car, and it says if you don't do this, it will what void the warranty. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, and uh, certainly, this just because there might be a seal from the Holy Spirit does not mean that it can't be uh, violated or the terms of that sealing uh, cannot be met. I think you're right. Okay. All right, let's get a break. Hey, we got one more one more of their verses to argue. Oh, you've got help in the chat room. Jehudai, Jeremiah 36, verse 23. I think my chat room has died. Oh, I'm not getting it. Oh, yeah. Guess 1503 came to your rescue. Oh, okay. It came to pass that when Jehudai had read three or four leaves, he cut it with a penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in that, in that fire and that was on the hearth. All right. Jehudai. So not, you're not, not following in his steps, huh? No yeah. penknife on your Bible. No, no. Uh, but that uh, and that's that doesn't even uh, that doesn't even ring a bell with me. It is Jehudai uh, who, who took out his penknife and cut out uh, the parts of the word that he didn't like. So thank you, guest fifteen oh three. Thank you for that. We're not uh, what, and it's a good point though. We're we're not forced to do that. We're trying to harmonize the scriptures with our interpretations. If you, you know, can't if you can't harmonize them, you need to change your position. And there's and there's a point that I think we should make, and we'll do it real quick before we go to our break. I think a lot of people who are in some of these denominations that take this Calvinistic view of the eternal security of the believer, I think a lot of people who might hear these quotes that we've been reading and so forth say, ah, I don't, I, that's not my position. I don't believe that. You know, I, I wouldn't go so far as, as that Foster guy in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, who, who says, you know, he could, he, he couldn't be lost if he wanted to. He could, he couldn't, he, if he begged to go to hell, he couldn't go to hell. Uh, you know, uh, what was the other guy's name? Sam uh, Bradford. Sam Morris. Sam Morris. Sam Morris. Sanford, you know, in, uh, Texas. In yeah. Texas, you know, they say, "Ah, oh, yeah, that those guys are nuts." I don't believe that. I don't go along. That is the position. If you're, if the denomination that you're a member of adheres to this Calvinistic notion of the security of the believer, that is the logical conclusion of that position. And you, and you really can't say, "I don't believe that." If you don't believe it. Then you need to come out of that because that's what they're teaching. It's a difficult decision to make when do you come out, but this I think would have to be one where you'd say I can't go along with that. They're telling folks it doesn't matter how they live. I can't support that. I right. can't go along with that. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's grab a break. We come back. We got one more verse uh, that they argue uh, in regards to the security of the believer, and then we want to we want to talk about Jacob. This argument that we always get. Well, if a person sins like that, they never were saved in the first place. Yeah. Well, that's not what some are saying. Yeah. But some are making that argument, and we want to talk about that. Don't go yeah. anywhere. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. 
And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. According to the latest national data from the National Center for Health Statistics, the likelihood that a couple will celebrate their 20th wedding anniversary today isn't much greater than a coin toss, 52% for women and 56% for men. Experts routinely estimate that between 40% and 50% of marriages today will end in divorce. That information is via the American Psychological Association. The Word of God says in Ephesians 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, talking about once saved, always saved, the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints or the impossibility of apostasy, however you want to call it. We don't believe it lines up with what the Scriptures teach, and we're looking at the reasons why on the program tonight. All right. Uh, one last verse that uh, Greg... Greg, Greg Outlaw. Outlaw, Randall Niles at allaboutgod.com, another verse that they use to support their belief in once saved, always saved, is Jude verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. God is able to keep you from falling he is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory yes he is i believe god could absolutely let's talk about what god does that's that's on god's end of the of the scale you know or as one preacher once said that's god's end of the stick you know he, he for his part he's fully capable of doing all that he has promised to do yeah but that doesn't talk about my part and the obligation that I have to be faithful to him. God is a great, good, gracious God. And he he, he could save us all without condition if he yep. wanted to. Yep. But he, he that's not what he's chosen to do. And this is just saying God is able to uphold his end of the deal. Just like if you went to a doctor, you had some terminal illness, and he said, or some terrible illness, he says, I can get you better and get you help you recover from this. But so, you've got to stop smoking. You've got to, you've got to start watching what you eat, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just going to go home and eat anything I want. And the doctor said he could save me. Yeah. Doesn't, that doesn't make it yeah, happen. Yeah. So, um, uh, we have um, from from Kent. He says, Jude is discussing God's part in our salvation. Indeed, God can keep us from falling. However, as those who have freedom of choice, we can override God's provisions, reject his truth after becoming a Christian, and so sin to be eternally lost. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. I think exactly right, Kent. Okay. Exactly right. All right. All right, now. Uh, okay, now, so, we what, what have we done here? We've offered our affirmative arguments that I think are compelling, overwhelmingly compelling arguments, showing that it is possible to be once saved and then lost. What we've now done is look at, apparently, the verses these guys think are best at representing their point of view, which I don't think do. And they don't, Either they don't. way, they've got to harmonize, right? Right. All right, now, they, there's one more argument that they make in their blog. And again, that's at allaboutgod.com. 
They say critics of once saved, always saved doctrine claim that it gives Christians a license to sin. I sort of think it does. (laughs) Uh, Those two guys, uh, Sam Morris and Bill, and Foster. Bill Foster certainly act like they would give them license to do whatever they wanted. They couldn't be lost. Well, sir, I mean, if they're just logical with themselves, they're not going to take sin too seriously if it's not going to have much effect on their okay. eternal soul. But here's here's the answer that these guys make. This is critics of once saved, always saved doctrine claim that it gives Christians a license to sin. They presume that those who believe in eternal security intend to accept salvation and then continue to willingly sin. This is inaccurate. Because anyone who has been truly saved is a new creature, Second Corinthians 5, verse 17. In other words, the, the idea of it is, they go on to say, someone who continues to willingly and blatantly live in sin has not truly accepted Christ. So basically, they're saying this guy, if there's this guy out here and he's just continuing in blatant sins just over and over again, not even trying to live right, that proves he was never saved in the first place, never really accepted Christ. Because if he really accepted Christ, he'd be a new creature, and as a new creature, he wouldn't commit the sins. You so that the, the whole idea is they never were saved. They, if They'll be lost because they never were saved in the first place. Well, it sounds like a loophole to me, but they got a verse, they think, that shows that. Second Corinthians 5.17. All right. Uh, all, all, the only thing that's in Second Corinthians 5.17 is that statement of a new creature. Uh, let me read it for you real quick. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So it's just talking about being a new creature. But think about some of those passages we read earlier. It described people who were new creatures, but then it said they could fall away. For instance, let me get back to that. Uh, Hebrews 6, verse 4, they, They were once enlightened, tasted of the heavenly gift, made partakers of the Holy Ghost, tasted the good word of God, the powers of the world to come. Well, there, there's your new creature, right? What happened? If they shall fall away, it goes on to say, they can fall away. Second Corinthians, or excuse me, Second Peter 2.20, remember, talked about those who had escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the new creature. What happens? They are again entangled therein and overcome, and the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. So, you can become a new creature. That's fine. We believe that. We believe that when we become Christians, we are new, we are a new creature. But that new creature can fall back into sin and be lost. Yes. That, that, that's not proving the impossibility of apostasy. Okay. All right. Let's see anything in the chat room tonight. I don't uh, on on that. I don't see anything. Um, Let me read what Kent yeah, says yeah. on this from Second Corinthians five seventeen. He says, 2 Corinthians 5.17 teaches that Christians, that is, those who have obeyed the gospel of Christ, are new creatures. However, new creatures can revert back to their old ways and become entangled in sinful living. He references 2 Peter 2, verses 20 through 22. An example of such sinful living is set out in specific detail in Acts 8, verses 5 through 24, concerning Simon. We talked earlier about Simon the sorcerer. After he had committed sin, Peter referred to his condition as being in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. This was after he had been baptized into Christ. He, as a Christian, was told to repent and pray that the thought of his heart might be forgiven. If a child of God cannot so sin as to be lost, why is there a need for repentance and prayer as a Christian in, uh, in order to be forgiven of covenant sins? Uh, I think he's exactly right. He goes on to say, Christians need to be reminded of the need of self-examination to meet the conditions of forgiveness when we sin. 
You know, uh, and, and he references First John 1, First John 1, beginning verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Skip down to verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So we sin. Christians are going to sin. What do you do? Well, don't do anything about it. You don't, you don't have to do anything because you're saved. Once saved, always saved. No. Right in the middle of that, he says, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can't continue in our sins. It's not once saved, always saved. We will sin. And if we say we won't sin, we're liars. But when we do sin, we've got to confess our sins and seek his forgiveness. So I think Ken's reference to 1 John 1, verse 8 through 10 is a good one. All right. Uh, certainly it is. Uh, and, and that reminded me of the need to walk circumspectly for Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. We're told to walk circumspectly. Why walk circumspectly if it doesn't matter how I walk? Why would I want to do that? Now, there's an interesting comment in the chat room by guest 16. I think it is profound. Guest 16 says, although it's in the Old Testament, the example of Job and Satan saying he has come looking across the earth for someone to tempt. Jesus tells Peter that Satan has asked for him to sift him as wheat. S16 poses this question. Why is Satan doing this if there's no chance to turn someone from God? Is Satan not aware that people can fall away, according to those who believe that you can't? I think it's a really good point. You know, you know, if Calvinism is true, Satan really doesn't have anything to do. Because God's elect are going to be saved irregardless. And the ones who are not elect are going to be lost irregardless. Why is Satan going about? You know, it's like we, he's, working for, he's working awful hard at a futile job here. Yeah, you know, we read earlier, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Why? He, it's, it's, it's a it's done, done deal. It's a done deal. You yeah. quit, you save, save, save your energy. Trouble. Yeah. No, uh, again, that whole that whole doctrine is just completely contrary to the scripture, and it's con- completely contrary to common sense and logic. Josh, you, I'm sure you have some comments. We've totally ignored you tonight. We've been wrapped up with a discussion over here. What What are your thoughts? Uh, I just I just think in general the scriptures don't make sense. If once you're saved, you're always saved. There's so many verses warning us to to get this out of your life. Do this put away from you these things that doesn't make sense if that doesn't once you're saved you're always saved and i don't have to worry about putting things out yeah of it, like, adding other things i think you're exactly right like jacob said earlier it's a comforting idea to think that I, I don't have to be concerned i don't have to put i don't have to exercise any caution i can just pretty much just go along you know carefree sure. but but peter said be sober be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I've got to give that diligence. All right. Any other thoughts, Josh? No? I think we got it. We got it. Josh, thanks for being here tonight. Good to have you back. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, good to have you. Dad, thank you for the time. Good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. Look for, uh, appreciate your time tonight and appreciate you joining us. And we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you. Look out first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. 
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.